Hello and welcome to The Quint. You're watching the last episode of the She Runs Government Dialogues. I'm Angelica Aribam, the founder of Firm First Foundation. A little bit about us. We are a non-profit, non-partisan organization working to amplify women's political leadership in India through capacity building and mentorship. So She Runs Government Dialogues is one of our initiatives where we get politicians from different political parties from across the world, you know, to come together, sit down and discuss how to advance women's political representation. This edition of the dialogues is focused on the women's reservation bill. And in the course of three webinars since yesterday, we have been discussing the history of the women's reservation bill in India and how gender quotas work across the world. And in this particular session, we will be discussing what the future looks like for the bill in India. I'm extremely grateful to our media partners, The Quint, uh, for enabling us and hosting this webinar. And if you're enjoying this webinar, then please make sure that you subscribe to The Quint's membership and enjoy the exclusive web webinars offered to its members. And you can do so by going to click, uh, Quint's website and clicking on the Support The Quint button. And this session will be moderated by Nishtha Gautam. She is the opinions editor at The Quint before moving to full-time journalism she taught English literature at the University of Delhi. She's passionate about literature, culture, politics, and foreign affairs. Over to you, Nishtha. Thank you so much for uh, allowing us to be a partner with this wonderful uh, discussion, Angelica. And uh, your foundation has been doing quite a, um, quite a momentous job of actually uh, bringing out issues that have uh, a lot to do with the women in this country, not just women politicians. And it is my honor and pleasure to host such a wonderful panel today. And uh, I can see Shaina uh, on my screen. So I want to extend uh, a very hearty welcome to Shaina NC. Thank you. She does not need an introduction, but I would still like to do my bit as a moderator. He's a face that, um, that launches a thousand ships, <laughs> as <laughs> Iliad uh, would tell you. I mean, um, every debate where the ruling BJP party, or you know, just before they came into power, when they were in opposition, then they need a firebrand spokesperson to put the party line across. Who do they go to? They go to China and see. Thank and, you. Uh, China may not remember this, but China and I used to be uh, panelists on so many panels together on women related issues when right. I was still an academic and not a journalist. Okay. No, and Welcome sometimes China. defending the indefensible too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and the next panelist is Anu Tandon. She is a former member of parliament. And uh, Anuji has been quite active in the field of philanthropy as well. And she comes from uh, Uttar Pradesh, which is again, talk of the town. When has Uttar Pradesh not been the talk of the town? I think that can be the question. So um, Anuji, I extend you a very, very warm welcome. Anuji, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you so right. much, Nishtha. Right. Thank you. Thank it's you. a pleasure to have you around. Um, we also have uh, two gentlemen, just because we did not want it to be a female version of Manals. 
that we keep complaining all about. So we wanted to make it a little more, um, you know, inclusive by including men in it. And of course, when it comes to issues uh, related to gender, this fight has to be fought by both men and women. So I have um, as my third panelist, Sashmit Patra. And I'm sure a lot of the guests who have joined in and uh, who are watching us live on Facebook would like to know if you are related to Dr. Sambit Patra. <laughs> so on that note, on that cheeky note, I would like to extend a very warm welcome to Mr. Patra. It's an honor and pleasure to have you on the panel. Thank you, Nishta. Thank you for uh, inviting us. Thanks to Angelica, to all my fellow panelists. Um, I look forward to engaging meaningfully over the ne uh, next uh, few minutes and hour. And uh, let me make it very clear that uh, though Samrit and myself, we are not uh, related, uh, either through uh, family or through blood, but definitely he's from Odessa and I'm from Odessa, so we share the same surname. But he's doing that well for the region. Sorry? I said that was a joke to set the mood right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I mean, so, I mean, just take a second probably. I, the thing is that this is a question that I find almost 95% times on the social media for me. So because I'm okay. the lesser known among the both, and of course he's more well known. So obviously that, that question always is there. Right, right. And uh, now I have my fourth panelist, Chakshu Roy. Chakshu, again, a lot of people have heard about you, but I would like you to introduce the work that your organization does. And when he tells us about that, we would know why Chakshu's point of view in this particular debate is very, very important. Chakshu, go ahead. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, greetings to, uh, my name is Chakshu, I work at PRS. The work of PRS is to uh, uh, open up the functioning of the legislature and keep uh, MPs and MLAs and everyone informed about the bills and legislations uh, that come up before Parliament. This connection. Chakshu, your uh, network is not all that great. Uh, would you like to fix that? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, did you not hear me? Uh, you know, you, you froze for a bit, but that's, that's all right. That's all right. We don't have to worry about that too much. So um, I would like to give um, opening comments to all my four panelists. And uh, Anuji, I want to start with you. So um, what was it like for you to contest your first election? Uh, Nishtha, how it was uh, when I fought my first election is something that, of course, I would love to share. But first of all, I'd like to, you know, because initially when you introduced me, I want to thank you. I want to thank uh, Farm Foundation, Angelica, Quint, for this great discussion that I've been even watching yesterday and inviting me today. Uh, it's really a pleasure to see Shaina, an old friend. 
and uh, Chakshu, I am so happy to meet you, though even still virtually, because uh, well, while I was a member of parliament, uh, the amount of support that the PR gave us and is still giving us is very, very wonderful. And Shashwat, it's a pleasure to know you and realize you're such a wonderfully enlightened man who understands misogyny that exists and needs to be tackled. So uh, here we have someone who is understands that part. So uh, uh, today I'd like to speak on my personal capacity because this is for women and I am uh, um, not uh, going to speak on behalf of the party uh, per se. Uh, so uh, my own experiences uh, would rather uh, you know, become part of this discussion. Uh, in the first session, uh, we got a first-hand account of uh, the history of the way the bill was passed in Rajya Sabha in 2010, and it was really interesting. I just want to talk about what we I've been seeing in the last two days. It was, uh, you know, I was at, in the Lok Sabha, so we knew about the drama that was happening, but the account that Renuka ji and Brinda Karat gave yesterday was too exciting because we had missed out on that part while sitting in the central hall and in the parliament only. And of course, Margaret Alvaji is a, a different level of understanding uh, in this journey. It's absolutely amazing. So uh, uh, talking about uh, Nisha, about my first election, uh, I would I didn't think that I would be fighting an election. Uh, I uh, was uh, working in my constituency for the last 14 years. And uh, during the course of my working, uh, I realized the problems that this very underdeveloped uh, district in UP, uh, it was a primarily rural district, it had its problems. So um, I didn't think that uh, politically I would be able to do much because that was not a field that I came from or had anyone in the family ever uh, done anything. But uh, I was uh, part of Observer Research Foundation at that time, and uh, I was looking after Mumbai chapter and happened to meet Salman Khurshid, who came for uh, uh, as the chairperson of a session we had, a seminar, uh, which was on electoral reforms. It was post that discussion, it was an outstanding discussion, post that discussion that uh, Salman Khurshid along with others said, you know, what are you doing? And I said, uh, besides whatever I'm doing, I'm also working in Nupi. And that's when I was invited to join a political party. And I didn't think twice about it because uh, as a child, I knew about the independence movement. I loved Indra Gandhi. There was nothing much to think about. And here it was uh, Salman Khurshid himself and some uh, very eminent other people inviting me. So that's how I came into the Congress. But coming from a slightly corporate sector, I uh, when I went into an organization like the Congress, my first uh, uh, you know motive was the objective was to strengthen the organization in the uh, district. And that's what I started doing. And while I was doing that, people came forward and said that you're working well, you're doing philanthropy, you're doing charity, you're helping people. Why don't you fight elections? And uh, there I was. I said, okay. And I fought the elections. I got an opportunity. I won with a huge margin, you know, in the sense, uh, in those days, three lakh votes as a margin like 75,000 votes was outstanding uh, for uh, you know established politicians and I really don't know how it happened to me but yes it was absolutely outstanding and uh, I got the confidence that I'm able to do so much more now and thinking about 
this particular subject, the women's uh, reservation bill, became a priority in many ways, which we can talk about further. Nishta, if you want me to talk further, I can. Otherwise, I can come back to you when you uh, put another. Yes, I will. I will. I will come back with a, a specific set of questions. Um, now, going off to China, China, yes. your your story is slightly different. Uh, yes. Uh, so yes, so please go ahead with that. You know, your your opening remarks about uh, about your own political journey, and uh, um, we we come back to issues related to it in the second round. So yes, mine is quite different because I'm probably the only ever fashion designer politician. And I remember in 2004, yes. <laughs> when I joined the party, I was dismissed as some kind of a dumb bimbet. And after fighting my first election in 2004, uh, which was from Bandra Assembly, I lost that election. And I, uh, they said that ye to sari hai, isko rajneeti ke mein kya pata? And I had taken it upon myself that I would prove myself as a serious political uh, activist and I would continue to work for the party. Went on to becoming the secretary and then continued to the national executive, the spokesperson for the party. And with pride, I would say, and this is not as if I want to tom-tom about it, but I'm the only ever woman treasurer the party has ever had in the history of BJP. And in a man's world, and especially where a position such as that of a treasurer, I, I completed two successful terms of six years. So I believe that Bharati Janta Party has given a lot of opportunity to women. Uh, Rajnath Singh, uh, when he was the party president, ensured the 33% reservation would be given to uh, women in organizational posts. And that's why you have posts such as that of a treasurer or a general secretary, which can be occupied by women, which is normally in a male-driven society. And especially in this man's club of uh, the cozy Latins, Delhi, uh, uh, it's not always very welcoming for women. But having said that, I think a lot more needs to happen, even in individual parties, whether it's the BJP, the Congress, the left, uh, actually compliments to uh, BJD and compliments to Mamta Banerjee because they have at least given more women an opportunity to fight by giving them the tickets to and the opportunity. It's not tokenism. And that tokenism is what we need to collectively and consciously ensure that uh, we're not viewed as and gender equality is not just a matter of term but an actuality for which i believe the women's reservation bill is the only only option right uh, thank you so much china um, it's quite fascinating and i really want to come back to you on two or three issues that you just uh, you know touched upon in your opening remarks uh, dr patra now, uh, you have had a, a wholehearted endorsement from China, so I think stage is set for you already. Nishtaji, <laughs> uh, uh, firstly, I'd like to thank uh, Angelica, the foundation, and uh, you yeah. for uh, having us, uh, and uh, thanks to the panel for uh, being here. And a special word of thanks to Shainaji, because, you know, she's already put uh, the... Uh, aspect on uh, the context actually is laid out the context very clearly and uh, the fact is that it's I think the call of the day is not to look at women's empowerment as tokenism rather than as a way of life and having said that let me just try to within a couple of minutes try to extrapolate on that when I as an individual in my political journey if I can use the word as a man 
as such. Progress, what actually led me to speak my first submission in parliament in July last year on women's reservation. A lot of people ask me that, you know, you went to the parliament and you stood up for your first submission of a special mention and you spoke about the demand for passing the women's reservation bill. And not only that, when the session ended in August 4th, and if August 5th was the day we were passing that uh, 300 Article 370 issue, and that day on the zero hour, again, I raised the issue of the women's empowerment and said about that the bill needs to be passed. The point is, it is a successive measure. It's a measure that has happened over the years, but has not found resonance through certain culminations. Women of this country have been told repeatedly that, look, you know, there will be empowerment, there will be a women's reservation bill, went to the parliament, to the Rajya Sabha, came out of it to the Lok Sabha, never saw the light of the day. So it is not only in terms of political tokenism, rather it's a realization that without this bill, there is no going forward as far as the empowerment is concerned in the parliament and assemblies. And as Shainalji just said, BJD, Sri Naveen Patnaikji, right, not only him, our predecessor, uh, Sri Biju Patnaikji, started the 33% reservation for women at the Panchayati Raj, which actually was followed up at 50% at the Panchayati Raj for women in Odisha. And then during the elections of 2019, Naveenji brought in 33% reservation within the party for Lok Sabha candidates. And we have uh, six Lok Sabha candidates right now who are women. So the idea is to build this forward. And personally, I feel very strongly about it. And there's not the end of it. We'll keep on fighting for it as long as it comes through. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Patra. Uh, Chakshu, cue for you to come in. What is, what is holding us back, basically, from passing that bill, which uh, is going to be a game changer of sorts when it comes to women empowerment in this country? But what is holding us back? Mister, uh, the, the conversation around reservations for women in legislative bodies, meet parliament or the state with Hansaba level, uh, has been on since 1974. The first concrete legislative steps were taken during the era of the coalition governments in the late 90s. So I think there were three constitutional amendment bills that were introduced I think uh, after 1996, all three of those bills lapsed. Uh, then the next time that uh, a bill was introduced uh, was in 2008, 2008, 2009. Uh, that bill passed, uh, uh, and you know, as uh, Anuji was mentioning, uh, it passed under less than you know distinctive circumstances uh, from Rajya Sabha, but uh, it could not go through Lok Sabha. Now. Uh, from what I've read and what I've observed uh, of the 2009 bill, uh, my understanding is there is, we've not been able to create political consensus and that political resonance around the issue. Very often what has happened is that uh, uh, political parties have agreed to support this issue legislatively uh, in the public domain, but when it comes to, you know, uh, in private conversations or its support in parliament, uh, that does not really happen. So for example, uh, when the bill was being discussed in Rajya Sabha, uh, there were unruly scenes and you know, members of one political party went across and tried to snatch 
the papers from the hand of the ministers. Uh, women members had to physically encircle the ministers so as to prevent the snatching of papers. And this is not the first time it happened. Even in its previous aftar, you know, the one before 2009, then also there were unruly scenes in parliament when the bill was going to be tabled on the floor of the house. So that 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 link between conscious and consensus, uh, you know, seems to be missing when it comes to the issue of uh, women's reservation. Uh, you know, since Dr. Patra is here, uh, I also wanted to you know mention and and you know support what Shaina was saying. Uh, actually, the uh, the Vidhan Sabha of the Odisha Vidhan Sabha actually passed a resolution, uh, you know, uh, two or three years ago. Uh, suggesting that a women's reservation bill should be passed. In fact, if my memory serves me right, uh, the Vidhan Sabha was convened on a Saturday and that was the business that was discussed on that Saturday. Uh, so yes, you know, uh, in a, a country where we've seen prime ministers, president, political party leaders, speakers uh, of Lok Sabha, and uh, you know, Violet Alwaji was you know the one of the first deputy chairman of Rajya Sabha who was a woman. We have seen a number of constitutional positions occupied by women, but we haven't been able to build consensus on getting a legislation of this sort passed through Parliament. Chakshu, uh, did you did you stop speaking or? Yeah, 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 right. Okay. This, time, this time I did stop speaking. Right, okay, okay. So, um, you know, now, now that we have a clear picture of, uh, you know, what this, what this bill represents and how important it is and what exactly are the roadblocks and the biggest roadblock that has been defined uh, for us very succinctly is what Chakshu says, the gap between conscience and consensus. So yes, you know, people may promise you uh, uh, the moon and the stars and whatnot, but when it comes to actually implementing those promises, there are these roadblocks. And I'm sure an all-party consensus, you know, it is, it is a very delightful phrase to use that yes, you know, all the parties need to work together and because it benefits the entire country and uh, whatnot, you know, lofty ideals that we talk about. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts of this process of getting consensus, it is quite difficult. And um, Anuji, I want to understand from you, what is it that, uh, you know, that, that irritates you as a parliamentarian and a member of a prominent party, that this is what my party could have done better, or this is what parliament as a whole could have done better for women, for increasing women's participation in politics. Like I uh, said, Nishta, I am not speaking on behalf of the party at this moment, I'm speaking on behalf of being a woman. Uh, but having said that, you know, uh, while you know, sort of uh, going through uh, some of the things. I remembered what uh, Nehruji had said in 1952. Frankly, I really want to read it out to you. So you understand where I am coming from later. In the sense that I printed it out. 
You know, in 1952, the representation of women in the parliament was very, very minuscule, and he was upset about it. So he wrote to all the chief ministers. Uh, he wrote twice, once before the election and once after the election. And the paragraph that really went in, and I realized that there's something that he was trying to say, probably he was sowing the seeds of reservation at that time, was, I'm quite sure that our real and basic growth will only come when women have a full chance to play their part in public life. Wherever they have had this chance, they have as a whole done well, better if I may say so, than the average man. Our laws are man-made, our society dominated by man. And so most of us naturally take a very lopsided view of the matter. We cannot be objective because we have grown up in certain grooves of thought and action. This, but the future of India will probably depend ultimately more upon women than the men. Now that's a very, very strong statement in 1952. And I was really taken in. I said, okay, so that's what uh, uh, was thought of at that point of time. So, uh, so of course I acknowledge the fact that uh, we have to have reservation. But I want to come with the context that I am myself. I'm a very privileged woman, fair enough. Uh, I've seen the support of my family, the society that I come from, and but yet face discrimination, not one, but so many times when I face the world. So women across the world face it in various degrees, but my experience as a first time parliamentarian was shocking. And I can never forget it. I was, I was a first time MP. I was uh, standing up to speak for the first time in parliament. The subject was flood and I was an over-enthusiastic person. At that time, uh, my constituency was flooded. And uh, so I spoke, but the sort of remarks and the shouting that I saw from the male benches, male dominated benches was misogyny defined in the very, very open new terms. No point spelling it out at this point of time, but there is no woman, no enlightened man who can't understand what I'm trying to say. But misogyny exists in our society and hence it exists in our parliament. And it's apparent by the comments they had at that point of time. So we need to keep this in mind before we think of any way forward. When you're saying, what could my party do or not do? The fact is we must understand that we are all in a world that played with a mindset. That is one part. The second part, which I want to bring out because then you understand wh what more could have done is that uh, I say, for example, coming from a constituency, like I mentioned, which is uh, uh, now, you know, like very, very underdeveloped. And on, so it's known for all the wrong reasons at this point of time, but all the good things are relegated behind. But I must talk about the panchayat elections. Now, there is a lot of understanding, a lot of study that has happened on the uh, reservation issue. And we've seen successes uh, in Tamil Nadu or Rajasthan. But I must talk about UP. UP is different. Till today, we are still dealing with Pradhan Patis and Pradhan Putra. Pradhan Pati means uh, the uh, husband of a Sarpanch or the son of a Sarpanch. I want to tell a short story that I myself faced, not once, but many times, but I'll tell you one of them. I was visiting one of the villages and one of my workers said that this village has certain problems and uh, it would be a good idea if we sit in the Pradhan's house and have a small meeting. I said, absolutely no problem. 
So there were a good number of people sitting there. And uh, I had a one hour discussion with the Pradhan, had chai with him, and he uh, explained everything. And he said, okay, we'll get together and we must do it. We must go to the DM, et cetera, et cetera. But while all this happened, and I was ready to leave, he came very quietly to me and said, I'd like you to come inside my house and meet my family. Uh, I'm very happy that you've come. I, I didn't think much about it. I said, okay, sure, you know, I'll come. So when I was walking in, this guy looked at me and he said, uh, uh, I said, what do you mean? He says, no, uh, my wife is the Pradhan because this is a woman's seat and I look after the woman. He was very proud about it. He said, I look after the work. I was shocked. One hour I had had this conversation. Anyway, I went in. I met the lady. The lady was drinking chai. She was winding up uh, things. Uh, she had served all the good stuff to us. So I managed to spend about 10 minutes with her. And I asked her, uh, you know, like, how come you, the uh, Pradhan, why weren't you sitting out? He says, no, very humbly. He knows better. So he looks after all the work. And... Uh, it's okay because it was a woman's seat, so I had to fight. So look at the mindset of even the woman. So I said, hasn't it made a difference to you now that you were the Pradhan? He, she, you should have seen the sparkle in her eyes when she looked at me and she said, now if he has to do anything, he has no alternative, but he has to come back uh, inside because without this, he can do nothing. So the fact is, it is the first step in a transitional stage that we are in, in UP, that, uh, you know, uh, people have started understanding the meaning of uh, gender equality or an opportunity for women to do something. But having said that, I want to say something more, is that that woman, she's already facing gender equality, but being from the backward section of society, you know, there is another uh, problem that she's facing. Intersectional biases must be recognized is my point of view at this point of time. If we want to think of way forward or why did we fail earlier? The women of the forward caste face gender in inequality, no problem. But there's a cushion of them being a little wealthier at times. And that's the sort of situation. But I feel that even they face the gender bias because it, uh, you know, the type of remarks that they get is, oh, he, she's reached the position because of the money. So any amount of work that she's put in, it, the cause is the money. So the fact is gender inequality exists in any case. So I feel that the intersectional biases also need to be taken care of. And uh, Nishtha, we need to talk about that before I say, you know, what we could have done better. But having said this, you know, and I sum up both these things, I would be very straight about it and uh, probably not liked by a lot of people that if we want to have a uh, the bill passed, the purpose here is fair representation of women in decision-making, which means all caste and creed must be party to it. And second, there must be unanimity in the decision. It should not be by numbers. The process itself should have unanimity because otherwise there will be no mindset change. Now, if if there is no mindset change, you really haven't done much. Then be like Mexico. You have the number, but, uh, uh, you know, like she said that the gender, uh, you know, uh, uh, crimes have gone up uh, like anything. So having these two things, I feel there must be quota within quota. If the panchayat elections can do it, why can't we do it? Fine, we can find ways of, uh, uh, you know, assuaging people and say, we'll do it for 15 years. 
years. 15 years is good enough for women to prove themselves. I am very confident about that. And of course, the other thing which uh, Brinda Karadji and uh, uh, even uh, Renuka Chaudhary ji and others said that the pressure has to continue. You know, the type of pressure that we've dealt with and done with, we've not reached anywhere except for that one bill being passed in 2010 in Rajya Sabha. Yeah, we have a long way to go. So building the pressure is just to ensure that uh, it doesn't die, but it is not the end result. So that is like to, we have to have affirmative actions. And I think what we uh, failed at that point of time is we failed to take everyone along with us. There was a certain amount of uh, fear in them. The fear was uh, the women numbers will increase. That was a major fear. It was not the quota, that fear that was there. That was the official expression only, which nobody mentioned in the parliament, but everyone knows that that was the official expression. The real fear was that they were scared. They were, uh, they had a sense of insecurity that uh, Now, if that is the case, then even that needs to be taken care of and, you know, needs to be dealt I know women will do much better. In 15 years, we'd be able to cover the, all the constituencies having been fought once. And I'm sure that we can get re-elected because of the good work we do. Uh, get re-elected. I don't want to use this forum to be talking about uh, if our democracy is in, or for that matter, the election processes. That's a different discussion. I, I have seen it, I've faced it, I don't want to talk about it. But if everything is fair, then I think we need to take it, uh, uh, take the bull by the horn. You know, we we can't just shy away that this is not right and this is not right. We need to get the bill passed first, and then we can talk about it. And we have the like China sitting here, a member of Parliament sitting here. I think the we have the number dead on the other side. This is the best time to pass the bill. I don't think so. They you know talking about the past. We didn't have the numbers. We were begging people around. Here, these guys have the numbers. Ask them the questions. Thank you. Nishta, you gone. Nishta, you gone. We can't hear you. Oh, okay. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah. Right. So, uh, Shaina, my, my question to you, I promised to come back <laughs> to you with, um, with, with questions based on what you said. And now Anuji has also raised a very important case that uh, I, I want your opinion on. Uh, the first thing is that, you know, when I, I remember that that moment in the, uh, uh, when, when the discussion around the bill was happening and this infamous statement was made by a male politician, very entitled male uh, politician that if the bill is passed, now, this also, yes. <laughs> now, that's, that's very, very interesting that you, do, it's not as if you do not want women. You do not want a certain kind of women in the parliament. You do not want a certain kind of women in any kind of uh, position of power because they will call out your blood because they know what is right and wrong, because they are, and, uh, you know, they're, they're enlightened, they are empowered, they know what they're talking about. And I think that's what threatens them. So Shaina, your take on that. I'm sure you faced oh. some of that as well. 
uh, well, the list is so long, so I'll spare you that. But I'll edit uh, what you're saying. It's not about ye taraf tarah ke orte. It's about orte per se. This is a male-dominated space. Whether you believe it, accept it or not, there are very few leaders in the entire political spectrum across the board. And Congress is as guilty as BJP is, as is the left, as is multiple other parties who only pay lip service to the cause of women. We may constituent, uh, con be constituency as 50% of the electorate, but nobody has viewed women as a vote bank. And Nishta, the sad story and the reality is also that women in public life do not support other women. That is the harsh reality and that is a very sad commentary. We can all sit and say, oh, you have the numbers, you should do it. Where is the political will where male political class are going to give up their space for women? And forget whether they are OBC, scheduled cars, scheduled drive. That's another story altogether. But where is that uh, leadership? You've had an Indira Gandhi. You've had a Sonia Gandhi. Why couldn't they even talk about giving women in organizational posts or when it comes to elections, giving more women candidates tickets? So everyone is as guilty. And I'm not going to sit here and defend the Bharatiya Janata Party or any other party because I believe that the cause of women's reservation is way above that of an ideology. Why do we need this reservation so that we can prove our mettle? And then we can obviously on our own accord. You know, I remember Sadhguru once telling me that don't play this, uh, uh, you know, compassion card and say, oh, mere saath hai. it's such a, uh, it, you know, it's there's so much injustice and where is my cause taken? He said that play the competency card and that competency card we can only play if women across the board are united. If we are united together to voice it and say, you jolly well give us tickets in our own individual parties. But none of us have had the guts to do so. And sometimes when we do speak, we're also shut up. A lot of times people say, oh, ye aurat to aage aage kisi ki beti hai ya kisi ki bahu hai ya kisi ki kuch hai. Why should we be subject to such commentary? Why should we not be given the opportunity to showcase our talent? My limited point is this, that unless you are given the opportunity time and again, you have nurtured constituencies, you have worked and you come to know that somebody else gets the ticket or somebody else is a compulsion and a woman is never viewed as a threat or a priority or a vote bank. So I think the larger point here is that we have to, if we are empowered in our individual parties, to take on the cause in our party first. Women's reservation can come when it comes and it will. It has to eventually. Times are changing, India is changing and people have realized. But having said that, if we don't agitate in our individual parties and say that, you know, when there are elections, we don't want two and three and four and seven percent representation. We want to be given that opportunity to showcase and this constant argument I think the time has changed and we have long passed that. Everyone can try and position and posture as if they are for women's reservation. But I'm very hopeful that our Prime Minister will walk the talk. And I hope that within this term of his, he will ensure that women's uh, reservation bill is a reality.
Right, China, I just want to, to have another question uh, um, directed at you. Uh, since, uh, you know, you, you are very upfront about, you know, how every party needs to be taken to task and internally, right? So women, women members of the party needs to ask the questions, why are you not doing what needs to be done to increase women's participation? So, you know, when Prime Minister Modi had... Uh, talked about women's empowerment and he happens to be one of I think one of those rare prime ministers here who has at least insisted upon you know giving slogans right beti bachao beti padhao we are not getting into the, the the implementation aspect of that that's another story altogether but at least he has made the right kind of sounds would you would you like to tell us whether you felt you know women members of the party you felt slightly disappointed when an optimum number of women were not allotted tickets in 2019 so first let me please be very very frank with you bharatiya janata party and the bjp has particularly given us the opportunity and i won't want to I would never have been the treasurer of my party. I would have never been a spokesperson. I would have never reached the national executive if it wasn't for this organizational 33% reservation. So that I think yeah. we're already one up. As I said, I have openly complimented a Mamta Banerjee or a Naveen Patnaik because they gave more women tickets than as opposed to other parties. So I have right. voiced my opinion on multiple forums. Having said that, Obviously, when you are a part of a large organization and an ideology, you cannot be in rebellion mode. You have to also understand that there is a thought process and there is, uh, you know, you have to break or make this change uh, in a silent and a step-by-step -step way. But adding to what Anuji said, I think if Anuji and all of us, that is people from the women from BJP, women from uh, Congress, women from other parties, all unitedly take on women's reservation as a priority issue where male leaders are made to believe that this is a vote bank too. And we can also boycott if you do not give us what is legitimately due to us. I think that is the larger point and that we can only do with unity. And that's why I said sometimes it saddens me when we see uh, tall leaders who are not uh, as supportive of the younger lot. Oh, As they okay. say, in politics, no, in politics, yesterday, Renuka Ji and uh, Brinda Karat and uh, Margaret Alva, they were all appreciating Sushma Swaraj Ji. She was that Thank one you. person yes. in the BJP who came out and was waiting in the middle, yes. late in the night to congratulate after the bill was passed in Rajya Sabha. So, you know, but, that was an era, and she yes. had the, the gumption, the strength to be able to do that. And what China is saying, I'm sort of agreeing with her that somehow the other people have to come out, and we're waiting for that. We're waiting for it, for uh, uh, you know, people to create that pressure. Maybe Angelica, right. you should start this movement and get all of us to sign on and join, and really we right. should agitate to the fullest in a positive way, because that's the beauty of a democracy. In the 21st century, I don't think that women want to be viewed as Bechani's. We want to just be given what is legitimately due to us. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Patra, 
now uh, again china has uh, great words to to say when it comes to your party and how it has tried to to uh, make the wrongs right and um, how have you achieved it because you know when it comes to making any radical changes whether um, it is about affirmative action for women for marginalized classes or castes there is always resistance from those who have been benefiting from the status quo in this particular case men as a whole cutting across caste and uh, class and religion barriers how did you reach this point that you could give out more tickets and you could ensure more participation of women in your party at least nishtadi to start with passage of the women's reservation bill will be a possibility that day all the parties and the political leadership of the parties come together so it's it's a mandate for political will more than anything else at the moment having said that how did odisha and specifically for that matter the biju janata dal achieve it i'd like to go back a little bit into history when biju patnaik ji was the chief minister and he was one of the first people to provide 33% reservation for women at the panchayati raj institutions that was almost before the 73rd and the 74th amendment came in provided reservation for women in the panchayati raj mechanism when navin patnaik ji came in the early um, i mean between 2000 2009 he increased that 33% reservation to 50% which is again one of the first in the country to do that so as you can see there is a context to it and therefore the political will and the political leadership over a period of time has been progressing towards addressing the issue of women's empowerment and not only looking at it prism for a election or for a specific purpose but rather as a continuous dialogue and an interaction that will lead to women's development on a whole having said that if you were to come before we talk about political empowerment i'd like to take some time to talk about the social empowerment because if we talked like anu ji said and shaina ji said that you know it's not only about political empowerment per se we could probably have a pradhan a, a sarpanch who is a lady but her husband or the son or the brother is actually the de facto sarpanch so to say so therefore in odisha there has been a silent revolution that has been happening which is called as mission shakti now what is this mission shakti about 40 lakh women across 8 lakh women self help groups through small microfinancing system through the government of odisha have been turning entrepreneurs so it started as 10000 50000 one lakh has gone up significantly you'll be happy to know i'll just give you one example of what women's empowerment has actually achieved during covid while people were looking for masks these women self help groups have produced more than 50 lakh masks within a period of only 2 months so you imagine the impact when a woman who didn't have the capacity and today she has the cash in her hand she has an both account she can go there deposit it there's a sense of emancipation that emancipation starts from the base of the pyramid of social economic empowerment and that leads into political empowerment now i come to the other part so i talked about the historical perspective of how political empowerment has happened i talked about the social economic empowerment which is necessary to kind of scale political empowerment now going into political empowerment shri navin patnaik ji has been very categorical and this is where i always say without taking any sides here or without sounding political that it is a mandate for all political parties and all political leaderships to stand on the same format and be counted 
because each political party went into election saying we stand for women we stand for women's empowerment we will work for the women reservation bill navin patnaik ji he made three specific things which i'd like to bring to perspective how we are able to achieve it number one as chakshu ji said in early 2019 there was a emergency um, state assembly which was brought in on a saturday and a resolution unanimously and again i thank my friends from the bjp and the congress because they are also members in the vidhan sabha of odisha unanimously a resolution was passed under shri navin patnaik ji that we must have the women's reservation bill passed having said that is that the only thing you would say okay i mean where does it go from here thereafter about 50 delegations were planned by shri navin patnaik ji from biju janata dal and uh, and they approached about 22 political parties across the country both national and regional and you'd be happy to know and it's already there on google and you can do the website searches that almost every political party that the bjd representatives went to build up this mandate and a consensus for political empowerment of the women's reservation till everybody supported it and therefore the third part that i come to is is having talked about it navin ji walked the talk and walking the talk when we when we went into elections and he said i'm going to and even before the tickets were announced he had already said that my party will give one third reservation for women in my tickets for the 2019 general elections in the lok sabha and he did that having did that i'd like to now end with a final note aska assembly of aska parliamentary constituency which biju patnaik ji used to represent and when navin ji came to power it was the parliamentary constituency from where he was actually elected to parliament for the first time so it's kind of a pocket borough if if i can use that word but you know whom he gave the ticket for aska it is shrimati pramila bisoi she is a leader of the women self help group who works with underprivileged women her son is a tea seller another son is a mechanic and today she is a member of parliament from the aska parliamentary constituency which used to be the parliamentary constituency for navin ji and biju ji the point i'm trying to make is when leadership talks when leadership walks the talk it drives the entire organization and at china ji and with tanu ji i do agree that there are number of times that women within a political party want to voice out want to have data representation but there are many reasons for which they can't do it so therefore i think the buck stops with the talk and if today we want as a political um, you know fraternity to come together and if all the political leadership stand together i don't see any reason why we can't make it happen chakshu again um it is very important to see that uh, whatever has been promised gets delivered whether it is uh, poll promises and uh, you know regular things like bijli sadak pani or promises like these that we will take care of women's participation in parliament or um in assemblies now when these promises are broken when they are not delivered why do people still keep voting the same people in again and again and again what is this voter behavior why would women keep voting for a party that uh, promised them that okay we would work for women's empowerment but did not do anything yet women would still vote for them mr i'm you know i'm reminded when the constitution was being you know debated uh, in central hall of parliament uh, 
there were a few uh, women members of the constituent assembly who actually argued against reservation for women right? and the idea was that you know when you think about women's reservation it is not about women at all it is about how we as a country organize our society right now you know historically it has been proved that whenever there is a reservation for a particular section uh, you know the that section benefits from a higher uh, resource allocation so whether it's you know marginalized communities whether it is you know specific gender groups so when we when we have to think about you know issues around reservation especially for women we have to distance ourselves from saying oh, you know what this is not only the prerogative of the women it is about what will it mean for our country and then we need to think about how will we do it so uh, in my opinion uh, making a law is not the only way to do it so uh, you know number of successful examples from other countries is that there is a mix of a legal mandate and there is a mix of political action so political parties go ahead and reserve some seats and there are you know some seats which are reserved in uh, and there are other ways that you can do it so for example uh, till about the 1960s india used to have dual member constituencies wherein one constituency would have two members of parliament and one idea that has been debated in parliament is can we have some constituencies where there is a male representative and a definitely a female representative right how we organize that is is question is is definitely a question that we want to think about now coming to your question about how do people vote i think people vote on a multitude of issues right and you know sometimes people vote because they identify with a particular kind of argument that somebody is putting across and this is an issue which a single political party cannot push on their own assuming for the sake of argument that there was a political party which had the numbers on the floor of the house to pass it but do you really want a bill passed in parliament where there are some members of parliament who are vehemently opposed to it to the extent that they will go ahead and physically intervene in that bill getting passed that i don't think sends the right signal for a democracy so you know when we talk about the women's reservation bill i think the conversation should begin from the fact as to how will society benefit right it's not the end result is yes you will have reservation but the conversation should be let's do this because this is what it will mean for the benefit of india as a society right uh, now i believe uh, shaina ji wishes to leave a little early since she has committed uh, her time for another debate uh, my parting question china for you is uh, when it comes to women and their political ambitions and aspirations they're seen as something dirty right oh she's too ambitious and let me let me go uh, for a very specific example and uh, she happens to 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 also be a, a good friend priyanka chaturvedi when she complained to the congress leadership that she was misbehaved with and uh, uh, some party workers did not give her the due respect she felt she felt really you know, rightly and really outraged and she had complained and she made no bones about it 
and she said that this is this is unacceptable and i would if you do not want to take action against these men then you know i'm done and soon after she resigned right everybody including some of the party members there said oh because she her career in the congress party was going nowhere which is why she thought she threw this tantrum and quit the party now even if that be the case is being ambitious because your career is not going anywhere is that a bad thing really two sides of the question here the first point is what is wrong in being ambitious it's how you're ambitious and every time a man in the same space makes a decision or takes a decision based on his future career nobody views it with a question mark so why do women have to answer this question and why is it that people keep saying that in politics they don't like aggressive women if we are not given what is legitimately due to us obviously we have to also be at it and how we continue or choose to be at it if somebody is in a company and if you in get your due recognition in that company you get a promotion if you are not acknowledged at all it is your choice if you choose to go and work in another company or if you choose another ideology so as far as priyanka is concerned i don't think she needs to be apologetic about it um the standard practice is for women in the field of politics to character assassinate it and oh, i yes. have seen it i have seen it at such close quarters and the more powerful your post the easiest thing to do is tarnish a woman's image comes back to my same point women must support women at the same time we must be united across the board so when it comes to women's dignity that is a non negotiable but having said that politics is still a male dominated space and to break in as you would want to say or if that is the correct terminology to use it can only happen through women's reservation when we have this 33% reservation you will see a better quality of professionals people from very walks of life who are coming into politics for the right reasons of wanting to make that change wanting to give up their careers and give back to society as have anuji and myself done or anybody else and gone will be the days of stereotypical notions that if there is a semi attractive woman she has to be a loose character to progress in politics so i think we need to fight these stereotypes and it's as important to have the respect of men parliamentarians men leaders in political parties and that can happen only through a movement and i think the time has come uh, we can go on and discuss the past that you know sonia gandhi ji should have done it or uh, other uh, leaders also had the opportunity and they didn't and there should have been amendments as to how many obcs should be fighting and how many scheduled castes and scheduled drive and go into that rigmarole or we can have a positive take and say we have the leader in narendra modi ji who we absolutely believe will deliver and do justice to women and this is women across the board of every political party and spectrum requesting that we must be given that representation in parliament to take on women's issues to speak on serious issues of rape of gender equality of inheritance rights of education and everything else that relates to women in public space right china uh, one you know one follow up question before you scoot off yeah. um, about you know nepotism you know 
we we talk about nepotism in every field and particularly you know bollywood since you you're in bombay <laughs> now um this this debate was was quite raging and it is still raging in some quarters at the moment now in in politics it's slightly different because panchayat reservation has actually thrown some data up which is quite encouraging and which actually makes a case for something that i always say necessary nepotism because if a woman even if she is a pradhan putri you know the pradhan putra or pradhan pati wala woman who has given uh, all the roles who has given uh, i mean she she has not given the husband or the son has taken upon himself to to deliver as the de facto pradhan yet there is a trickle down effect because somewhere she has managed to come on her own as a woman as an individual in public life and there is data to back that so do you feel that this necessary nepotism may be important for um, for increasing women's participation of course it is not ideal but we cannot make ideal to be the enemy of good let's get okay. something good done so my honest answer is if the woman is a pradhan uh who has come on her husband's seat or is calling the shots just because she is a woman i'm okay with that too if she is an obc i'm okay with that too if she is scheduled caste i'm okay with that too the only criteria is she must be a woman so that is the reality and if this amounts to nepotism so be it but let's at least break in and once we are given the opportunity then obviously our work will speak for itself and then i'm sure the numbers will be quite contrary we may cross 33% and actually be 50% in parliament which actually is the real worry for the men <laughs> that's what they're scared of yes absolutely exactly. absolutely right thank you so much aina thank, thank you very you. much for spending some time with us bye uh chakshu i want to to take this question to you now the question of necessary nepotism that let some women come up even if they are uh, important men's brothers or wives or sisters or daughters and then perhaps there would be a trickle down effect yeah so i uh, uh, mr i have two views on this one uh, uh i think uh, one of the things that is you know proved time and again is that you know you might get a ticket the first time around because you know you were related to somebody but but that's not going to happen the second time around that's true right so uh, and and so that's one part of it and i think merit definitely has to play a part in politics and it does uh, and some people get an opportunity because you know they might uh, you know uh, come from a certain family background the second part of it is but that's also be rec- let's also recognize the fact as to uh, you know we say that uh, you know an engineer's son or daughter goes on to become an engineer right a doctor's son and children go on to become doctors not i'm not saying that that means that a public representative children need to go go ahead and become public representatives but you know they are they that's a life that they have seen right they have grown up with their parents 
you know, working in a constituency or working in a particular place. So yes, you do it for a couple of times or even if it happens a couple of times, I think it's okay, right? Because after some point of time, there will be a balance that will come out. Uh, and every law or every kind of, uh, you know, intervention in this field will require a certain amount of uh, gestation period before it starts functioning smoothly. So even in the case of, you know, uh, let's say panchayats, it did start out, there were a lot of proxy, proxy candidates, but then after the first round or maybe the second round, things eased up quite a bit. Now the number of, you know, uh, Pradhan Patis and, you know, Pradhan Suputras has definitely decreased. Will that happen? Uh, if that has happened at the lowest tier of governance, Will that happen at the legislative assembly and parliamentary level? I'm sure, you know, it's an experiment that can definitely can be done. Right. Anuji. Anuji, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Anuji, now, uh, my question to you is uh, somewhat related to what I discussed with Chakshu and uh, Shaina about this, this necessary nepotism thing and how it may change when um, a yes, there, there needs to be some resting time for, for any law to take effect. And even if it's not ideal, it is definitely a start. And particularly, and why I, I, I came to you and not uh, Dr. Patra is because, you know, you come from Uttar Pradesh, you come from Unnao, and their women coming out even on the streets is a problem in certain families in certain communities. When they get an opportunity, even if it is mediated by the men in their, uh, in their household, the, uh, the sons and the fathers or the brothers or husbands, they would still learn a trick or two. So would you, would you like to share any of the anecdotes where you actually saw that happening? You shared this, this lovely um, incident about this woman saying, okay, you know, this, this, is the, this is where power resides. So he has to come to me. So taking that thought a little further. Yeah, uh, Nishtha, the fact is that uh, I think this necessary nepotism is uh, harmless in the sense that uh, you have no alternative. Uh, you have to encourage women to come out and you cannot expect that on the first go, the women will jump up and say, it's a woman's seat, so I want to fight. In this type of society that we've seen all these years, I think a certain amount of male support is required. You might as well accept it. And if the family members are obliging and are supporting the woman, then why not? You know, Because that one step is, like I said, a transitional first step. So uh, the first time, probably she will have a husband or a son looking after her work. But um, I have also seen that uh, many a times the district magistrate, when he calls for a meeting of the Pradhans, is very insistent that I don't want the proxies. I want the real Pradhans coming. Now, yeah. uh, maybe one or two times it will happen that the proxy goes. But once the woman starts going in one term a couple of times, definitely she becomes uh, much stronger the next time. So I think it's just a step at a time. And there is one another thing that you see is that, uh, which as uh, uh, Sir Smith said uh, very nicely about the 
of women, you know, the working groups that uh, that are there, you know, the women working groups that the, I see that in uh, UP also. And these women are far more empowered than because they are financially getting empowered. So they are much stronger people. And when they see that there is another woman who is probably not so capable, but because of the support of a parent, uh, of a husband has come forward, you know, it becomes an automatic reaction for her family members to say, you know, so right. I think it's a process that I've seen many women who have come forward just because it's a it's normal uh, for the person to feel if she can do it, why can't I do it? And I would do a better job. So I think it's a process and we should just accept anything like what I said was that just accept what these guys are saying. Give the reservation if it is required. Close it only for 15 years, I don't mind. I'm telling you one opportunity and the women will come and prove themselves. They will come and stand. I did not fight in a reserved seat fine, I came from a background, I was smirked at or whatever it is. But there are so many other women who fight, uh, um, uh, you know, like Jyoti Mani yesterday, you should have heard her. She says, I don't, I, you know, very frankly, I don't want reservation because I would rather fight the men and fight on a level playing field. Now, these are things, the, the fact is, it's very encouraging to have these young women come and say that. So uh, what you're saying is, uh, what uh, Chakshu said, what uh, uh, Shaina said, I think the time has come, let's begin. And Shaina has a lot of hopes. Uh, frankly, uh, what will happen, we don't know because we have numbers. One term is already gone, the second term is already halfway through. Uh, there's nothing that we've heard except for uh, slogans, like you rightly said. So uh, uh, I, for one, I'm there. And yesterday I heard some of the seniors in the Congress party and otherwise even Brinda, Brinda Karat, or for that matter, Shaina here, we're all keen to be together in this. We want to do it. And we have such wonderful people like uh, Sasmit Patra here, who's, uh, you know, there are a lot of such people who are keen to uh, do that. It will just make the difference. So I think uh, these are uh, things that we just talk about, ki hona chahiye ya nahi hona karo to sahi, aao to sahi, shuru to karo. That's my take. That's right. Dr. Patria, what are the plans in the next session of the parliament? Are there any plans that you, you, you're going to raise um, some, some flags and say, this is the time, boss, we need to go. We need to go ahead on this matter. We have dragged our feet for far too long. You see, Nishtaji, uh, as I said in my very first session that started in July and August last year when I joined parliament, and whenever, because that there were limited opportunities there, but despite that, the limited opportunities, twice I raised this issue in the parliament for demanding the passage of the Women's Reservation Bill. And I have been also filing regular notices, both for zero hour and special mentions in the parliament. Now, what has been told to me is that it has already passed the Rajya Sabha and has gone to the Lok Sabha. So therefore, more, this issue needs to be raised more. But I can assure you that in the coming parliament, whether, because you see, it's again the prerogative of the chair to allow me to raise the matter in the house. But having said that, I will continue to file zero hour uh, petitions and special mention petitions in order to raise it in the parliament. That's one. I'll also encourage my fellow uh, colleagues in the Lok Sabha to raise it in the parliament. That's two. 
thirdly, I would suggest that, you know, you know, I talked about Biju Jantatal and the work that we have done in terms of women's empowerment. There may be some political parties that might feel uncomfortable coming from a political party should they really engage. That could be also a possibility. Having said that, I would encourage probably you and Angelica to probably take this up because this is a common forum. The foundation is a neutral forum to probably bring in like-minded parliamentarians, use it as a working platform to raise awareness, to raise consensus, and use these parliamentarians, both former and sitting, in order to engage with their own political parties and build that consensus inside the House. Because ultimately, if the consensus, you know, we can talk all about women's empowerment, but if the consensus does not build within the House, it doesn't make any difference. So therefore, ultimately, as I said, and I, I agree with Chakshuji, that it doesn't help the women's reservation bill if we have got, let's say, 50% you know, people are there, 50% we pass it, and that's it. That's not about passing a bill. It's about the sense of the house. That's what we generally say. It's the sense of the house that unanimously all political parties, like when we passed the GST bill, all political parties supported it, barring one or two, but said this is a bill which concerns with 50% of India's population, which is more than the population of some of the most developed countries of the world. Having said that, there needs to be a consensus. I would urge this platform and Angelica to take it up. I, from my side, assure you 100% support in any initiative you want in terms of engaging across the spectrum. As a parliamentarian, Anuji is there. She's a parliamentarian. Shainaji is there. She holds a very important portfolio. There are many panelists who have come over the last couple of days. Engage. Bring us all together. Let this virtual platform of engagement continue, and let us continue to build awareness, Census and take it forward. Right. So um, I believe uh, Angelica's foundation has already uh, put in the foundational work and she's written to all uh, the, the members of the parliament of both the houses to raise the issue of uh, women's reservation bill in the next session. Now, um, there is a question. I, I want to take a few questions from, from our audience. So one question that is being asked um, uh, and two people have raised this question, uh, Dr. Patra, that uh, you guys got a lot of uh, accolades uh, for uh, announcing that you would give 33% um, tickets. What about the state assembly? Absolutely. You see, right now in Odisha, in this 2019 elections, we have given about 13% seats to women candidates. Yes. And one thing let us also understand, when you look at 13%, though it may look small, you must understand the kind of candidates who have actually come across are candidates across the spectrum. Now, let's say, for example, in the Lok Sabha, you have a doctor, you have a, um, you know, a, a bureaucrat, and at the same time, you have a self-help group leader. Similarly, in the assembly, the 13% reservation, it has been brought in bringing in the profiles of people who cutting across segments of society have been adding a lot of value to society in their own will. Having said that, let me assure you that the BJD is committed. There are many political parties in many states rather, where you don't even have even 5%, 6% uh, tickets being given to women. But BJD, we have started with the Lok Sabha 33%. With the Vidhan Sabha, we have given 13%. I assure you, as we go forward, we'll keep on increasing it. It's just the beginning. 
and Sri Naveen Patnaik ji, as I have said over the last 20 years, is committed to building women's empowerment, not only within the political space, but also in the socio-economic space and bridging that divide that actually exists. So I can assure all those questions who are coming in that you have seen the good work in 2019. You will see much better work coming up in 2024. Right. Uh, one question for you, Chakshu, and I read it out. How can the problem of disproportionate representation be solved when one third of the, of the seats are demanded to be reserved for women and reservations already exist for SCs and STs? Now that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's an age old issue, you know, ever since that, that women's reservation bill was stable, this issue had, had, had come up. What about disproportionate representation? What do you have to say to that? No, I think, uh, you know, so if I was reading the old bill and I could be corrected, uh, you know, that, that one third of uh, the reservation for the SCST seats, so, you know, some portion of that is for women also, right? So it's not as if that the women's quota would be over and above the one third. So there would be some SCST women who will get, you know, reservation within the existing SCST quota that is available. Uh, that bill also talked about the fact that there are two Anglo-Indian seats. So one Anglo-Indian seat would go to women. Uh, I also wanted to, you know, uh, update many of our viewers would be uh, listening in and, you know, watching this is that a bill that was passed by Rajya Sabha is no longer in parliament. Right? So it is no longer a you know, property of Lok Sabha. It was passed by Rajya Sabha. It went to Lok Sabha. Lok Sabha could not pass it. So that bill has now lapsed. So whatever has to be done is to start afresh. One of the things that can, that can be done is, I remember I.K. Gujral, before he became the prime minister, had actually introduced a private member bill uh, for women's reservation in his own capacity. Right? So that is one set of efforts that many member of parliaments can be requested. And, you know, Dr. Patra is here, possibly he would want to think about this. Uh, a private member bill on legislation, uh, on, on women's reservation. And Dr. the house that Dr. Patra comes from, Rajya Sabha, nobody talks about uh, reservation for women in Rajya Sabha. It's always reservation in Lok Sabha, Lok and, Sabha. Uh, and the legislature. Yeah. So that's another thing, you know, I remember some of the earlier bills had actually, uh, one of the earlier parliamentary standing committees, which had looked at the 1990s bill, had suggested that you should also look at the option for reservation within Rajya Sabha. Right. Uh, you know, it's not only the directly elected uh, places where you can reserve seats, possibly in the indirect election, that's another place to think about. Finally, I think, you know, one uh, possible step is uh, uh, in Rajya Sabha, I remember the chairman uh, on Women's uh, International Women's Day had actually held uh, almost a mini discussion on the need for reservation uh, for women in parliament. So uh, possibly, you know, uh, a, a, a step could be that, you know, in the parliamentary calendar, there could be certain days which are reserved for actually discussion on this issue. And, and that could be one way of going forward on building this consensus, ensuring that people are not afraid about, you know, the representation of women and talking about what this representation would mean for the country. Right. Uh, now, there has also been a conversation around increasing the number of seats in Lok Sabha. 
because they have remained uh, stagnant and the population has grown many fold. So um, I want to understand from all three of you whether you know increasing the number of seats in Lok Sabha and uh, passing of women's reservation bill, can they be coterminous? Can they be sort of taken together? And uh, then perhaps there would be a lesser degree of uh, resistance to it that, okay, the numbers are going up anyway. So yes, let's, let's get this bill passed for women as well. So do you want me to say something? Yes, Anuji, please go ahead. Okay, so uh, I am very much for it in the sense you, uh, this is a, probably one solution that would uh, satisfy uh, those uh, aspirations of men to be in that uh, situation. So you have more opportunities and you can do that. And then you do the reservation of 33%. And the, that is one reason. And the other reason is also that I feel that uh, some of our constituencies, which includes mine, are extremely huge, you know. It's, it's the, as far as uh, the distance of travel is concerned, or the voter population is concerned. Like uh, my voter population is more than Luxembourg. So, uh, as a country, or Bosnia for that matter. Now, those, uh, there is a certain amount of uh, those issues are there because if you really want to deliver and you really want to be able to do something worthwhile. And I think uh, considering that is no harm if it satisfies the other part also. Uh, in any case, as far as the parliament is concerned, it really doesn't matter because you are only in the legislation part of it, not in the executive aspect. But in the uh, MLA category, that is in the legislative assembly, uh, it, it does make a difference. But yet, I see no reason why we cannot, uh, uh, they were talking about dual, uh, you know, uh, uh, members of parliament. So instead of having dual members of parliament, you just have two of them in one or something like that. So then that way you get an opportunity for uh, everyone there. I think I'm completely with it. Right. How about you, Dr. Patra? Nishtaji, uh, I, I have a, a different take on this matter and it's primarily because uh, delimitation just went, uh, I mean, it, it was done about two elections back in 2009. And yes. in delimitation, there was a possibility of actually having smaller constituencies so that, you know, the numbers increase and we could take it up. And probably we can always look at, like Anuji said, that, you know, larger constituencies can always be divided and made smaller. That's one part. But the second part, which I feel is, if we have a dual uh, MP a role in one constituency, would that lead to a conflict between two people? I mean, I'm just looking at it from the operational perspective. Because, you know, you have... Uh, you, you know, it's it's among who's the first among equals there. So then the men folk would probably say, and again I'm using the word misogyny here and the parochial mindset that okay, you know, what I mean, she's a proxy. You know, I'm the real guy actually because I'm the member of one. That could be. Having said that, that might also open a Pandora's box in the panchayat election in the panchayat system. 
Right now in the panchayat system, we do not have this dual uh, uh, space for men and women having equal opportunity in an election. So it might raise also an issue that the 73rd and the 74th Amendment could also be relooked, and we could probably also have a dual role for men and women. More so, let me tell you, it's not more men and women in the panchayat institutions now. It's more about the reservation of seats and the rotation of seats between the reserved seats and the unreserved seats that's actually right. creating a lot more uh, uh, you know, uh, issue. So my suggestion would be in letter and spirit, though, I mean, realistically speaking, a dual role always helps to get it passed so that the men folks, so to say, do not feel threatened that their territory doesn't. But I can assure you, knowing the kind of people that we have, knowing the kind of men mostly we have at the grassroots who are actually leading the so-called political mainframe, they would even feel threatened with a woman as an equal to them, as, as another member. So my, my feeling is let's go ahead with probably not having a dual role with the existing structure. You could probably increase the number of constituencies. So therefore the reservations as such, when it happens across, because reservations are happening across segments. It is also happening within the SC segment, the ST segment. OBC segment has not been added in. If it does get added in, we will see. But across segments, it's actually doing it. Now the Anglo-Indian uh, reservation is no longer there. It was removed in the last session. Having said that, let us focus on building consensus and creating it. And even if, let's say, for example, tomorrow political parties say, yes, if it's a dual role, we are willing to pass the bill, let's do that. I would still be backing it then. The idea is to pass the bill, let's get it through the door, and probably we can keep on refining it as we go, just like the 73rd and 74th Amendment did. Right. While Sasmith uh, is talking about uh, something that I was saying, this just let's get the bill passed. But uh, this dual thing will be so detrimental, I'm telling you, because with one man and a woman there, it is obvious what the situation of the woman is going to be. It will be as of no good, really, in the end. Right. Really not in, fact, in fact, I feel, you know, if you have a lady representative and her husband would then have a conflict with the MP, who's a man. So that would make it more difficult and more bloodier, actually. You know, I mean, if you look at the kind of <laughs> politics, it actually goes down on the ground. Right, right. Chakshu, your thoughts on it. Increasing the number of seats in Lok Sabha and then uh, getting the bill passed. Uh, uh, so uh, I think uh, I was listening to former President Pranam Mukherjee when he was delivering uh, the lecture, uh, uh, you know, in memory of uh, former Prime Minister Atiyahari Vajpayee, and he had, you know, mooted also the idea that you know, Lok Sabha should have at least thousand MPs. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, if you look at the current strength of the Lok Sabha, it is pegged on to the population of the country as per the 1971 census. And that is, you know, supposed to chain, I think, in the 2024 election, where it will be brought uh, to the recent census of uh, where the number of seats would increase because, you know, the census that will be used for calculating the seats of Lok Sabha would possibly be a much uh, nearer census, I think, 2011 or five. Now, uh, should the two of them dovetail? Should one happen, uh, you know, first and the other happen the second? Uh, I do not have a view. What I do have a view on is, irrespective of what should be the strength of Lok Sabha, should there be a legislative mechanism for certain representation for women in parliament? That's the question that we are asking, irrespective of the strength of the two houses. Now, if I look uh, at the historical you know, numbers, 
since 1952 till now the number of women either in lok sabha or rajya sabha has never gone beyond 15% that's right hmm. the debate that we are really should be having is have we really moved the needle on the question about uh, gender equality that is enshrined in the constitution have we moved that needle in the last you know 60 odd years since uh, our first parliament started uh, and you know how long will we wait for more years to progress to say oh, you know what this is a conversation that we need to have we can have the conversation and then decide one way or the other but at least there should be some seriousness to the fact as to let's have this conversation let's have this issue on the burner for every parliament so that every generation should be able to point out the biggest parliament and say you had an opportunity you did not think about right now uh final comments from all three of you one minute each say whatever you have to and what your plan is going to be in your individual capacities uh nishtha ji can i go first yes certainly okay uh you see of course you know as far as the sessions are concerned i'm going to continue filing zero hour and special mentions and hope it gets uh allowed yes. and of course it will it will that's given but i would like to take uh, you know i'll take like to take uh, chakshu ji on in terms of uh, the the proposal for the private members bill and chakshu ji and myself we have been also deliberating and interacting in delhi together on various issues of legislation to so, you know i am committing myself to actually developing a private members bill which is not only look at reservation for lok sabha but look at reservation for lok sabha and rajya sabha both and chakshu ji if you are on for it both of us we can collaborate and let's pu pu push this bill as a private members bill in the coming session right now the session is not announced we have some time and let's actually pitch this bill together in in the parliament that's that's my commitment and thirdly of course uh, we i will continue to file uh, petitions for half now there's something else hat which is half an hour this is uh, discussion and short duration discussions so these are two the mechanisms by which we can have short duration discussions on the house on my capacity i will of course again file during the upcoming session provided we have a longer session and we have space considering the covid scenario but i'm not looking yeah. at one session let's look at it as i've got two more years to go and within these two years i will use it hopefully we'll have a passage of the bill earlier but having said that that these are the mechanisms at a personal capacity i'm committing to doing and we'll of course touch base on it right thank you anuji uh i have been listening to sasmit uh, and he being a rajya sabha member uh, has the opportunity and i really really would give my blessings and uh, really wish him the best because uh, people like him can take this forward uh, more uh, aggressively and more uh, realistically uh and uh, chakshu ji is already in that situation that he has been uh, talking just the right things helping the right people at the right time so uh, they have the opportunity uh, shaina who was one of our pa panelists also has an opportunity because she happens to be in the uh, in the parliament uh, in the party that is uh, at the moment uh, in power uh, i don't have those opportunities but i personally have always been trying to do whatever best i can so there are two things that come in my mind right away is number one of course uh, supporting angelica in the cause and helping angelica pushing a situation where i would take what shaina has said 
and what uh, uh, Renuka ji and Brinda have said yesterday, Brinda Karat and uh, Margaret Alvaji, that uh, you know the women have to get together to create those pressures. So connecting with women who are like-minded to create those pressures and uh, finding is one thing that I can do and I would, uh, I have been doing and will do also. So uh, I think uh, at this point of time, talking about it in the, um, something that I do constantly. So those are things that we're already doing, uh, but you have to be in position to be able to uh, push it through. And I am there right behind you. <laughs> Lovely. And you can you can always mentor aspiring women politicians from your uh, former constituency and where you women that you that you work with, you can always groom them for their uh, political I role. Do all the time, which is something I do all the time. No, right. I, I'll, I'll request Anuji to also mentor and counsel me. Being a senior, <laughs> being my elder, I look forward to your counsel, your guidance in the house and how to really purposefully push this uh, issue forward. So this is a great idea, the private members bill. All the best. Thank you. Yeah. Lovely. I can, I can already see uh, some linkages happening here and some mentoring happening. And, you know, the role of mentors is so important. It cannot be underscored enough, particularly when it comes to women who want to make a foray into, into fields that are hitherto uh, dominated by men, because the moment you, you enter, you're just flabbergasted by everything that is, that is going around you. You need a mentor and women, younger women politicians, they need good mentors. Chakshu, um, what is your plan apart from collaborating on the private members bill that uh, Dr. Patra just told us about? Um, what, what is it that, that you plan to do for, for increased uh, participation of women in politics? You know, I would want to close my comments by first saluting, you know, Anuji, China, you, who are in leadership positions in your respective fields. Uh, and it's a difficult journey. Uh, I cannot imagine the amount of hardships and difficulties that you've gone to, to be the places that you are. I think what I would want to really urge to everybody who's listening to this show and hearing this is, uh, political representation is not a bad thing. It shouldn't be the domain of the few. So if you have thought about politics, you know, think about how you can be in representation politics, right? I mean, it does not always mean getting elected. It means as to engaging with the political process. And engagement with the political process starts by being more aware, talking about issues, thinking about issues, and more importantly, reading about issues. Why is it that the only people that you can think about when, you, when it comes to political leaders are a few uh, male leaders? Right from the constituent assembly, you know, there were women, you know, parliamentarians who have shaped the course of this country. How do we go ahead as collective, as a group, everybody who's listening in, to actually champion everybody who's been parliament, you know, uh, who was a woman and what was their contribution to the house? Najma Abdullah was the longest serving, you know, deputy chairman. Uh, yes. Violet Elwa, you know, was the first, uh, you know, deputy chair of Rajya Sabha. Yes. Can we have those conversations? Can we bring those names out uh, in limelight and say, women have contributed significantly towards parliamentary and legislative debate. 
And I think that's a job for all of us. Right. Thank you so much, Akshul. I think that's, uh, um, that's very important to acknowledge the role of uh, women who have uh, braved all odds and made such significant contributions. And, you, and I'm so glad that you talked about constituent assembly because nobody, and I, I throw this open challenge that, you know, apart from maybe 1% uh, uh, of people who are, who are watching us or listening to us would be able to name women who participated in those uh, debates and the, they formed the narrative on how to take uh, democratic processes in, um, in, in, a, in, a, in an independent India forward. There was a vision and women were very much at the forefront of shaping that vision. We know nothing about them. It is, it is actually quite tragic and when men say that oh only the parkati women will come and uh, they need to be told that it's not true women who were participating in political processes even before we got independent they came from all strata of society they came from all backgrounds they came having battled all possible odds and they made a very significant uh, uh, progress in whatever capacity they they, they could so I think on that uh, note of uh, saluting our heroes from history, and uh, since we, we have an outline of sorts from, from our participants, um, I would like to thank my panelists on behalf of the entire team of uh, the Quint, and a special thank you to Angelica for her uh, brilliant work through FFF, and uh, I think uh, this is this is this is going to be a, a game-changing organization in times to come because of the kind of issues that it is taking up. And um, thank you very much for for being uh, a part of this journey. Nishtaji, before we close, can I take this opportunity on behalf of the panel to thank you? for such effortless and wonderful you know coordination and really you know awesome uh, coordination because of which we had such a meaningful dialogue thank you so much i take this opportunity also on behalf of the panel anuji chakshuji and shainaji to thank uh, uh, angelica and the foundation for having us and i'm sure this is a dialogue that will go forward thank you so much right thank you thank you nisha thank you very much thank you. right thank you, you. outstanding Thank you, Anuji. It's, you know, we're learning from those who have come before us. <laughs> no, no, you were really, really good. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jakshu. Thank you, Anuji.